Welcome to the Sample Chapter Podcast, the show where authors read a sample chapter from one of their books. Here's your host, Jason A. Meiske. Hello, my friends. Welcome to episode 206 of the Sample Chapter Podcast. Hey, this week we are having a wonderful sit down with a, uh, a unique brand of author, uh, the type that uh, we haven't had on the show in quite some time. I am speaking with highly successful entrepreneur and musician Natasha Miller. And she is on the show today to discuss her memoir that just it's coming out today as of this release, March 22nd. Uh, her 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 very first book, Relentless. And like I said, this is a memoir. So this is talking about her rise, uh, everything she went through and how she got from. Uh, well, I don't want to spoil anything, so you have to you have to <laughs> stay tuned for it. But it's discussing her background and how she rose up. Uh, relentless uh, to fail, you know, refusing to fail and becoming the highly successful entrepreneur that she is today. And let me tell you, she is absolutely fantastic to talk to. Uh, The book is already an Amazon bestseller. Uh, We're going to be discussing not only the book, but also a little bit about her past and writing and what what went into this and what it was like delving into, you know, the feelings of uh, the emotions and the uh, toll that it took for her to dive into some of that. And, uh, you know, and it was interesting because it didn't affect just her. A lot of other people uh, within her, her life, within her world. And that's, that's, that was a fascinating thing to, uh, to discuss. So we have that and a whole bunch more coming up here in just a few minutes. You're going to absolutely love this conversation with Natasha. And Natasha has a very special invite for everybody listening. So if you're listening to this first thing in the morning on March 22nd when this comes out, the book is available now, so you can go and order it. But I want you to also, if you're interested in checking out her release party that's happening in a few hours, click the link in the show notes for that. And I'll have it labeled as Natasha Miller Relentless Release Party or you know something to that effect. It'll be obvious. <laughs> but the link will be right there in the show notes so you can hop on over and uh, tune in. Lots of big names tuning in for that and going to be helping kick off the book. And it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. I'm going to try and be there. I will be at work, but uh, we'll see what happens. Maybe I can sneak away from the boss and hide away and uh, hop on my laptop or something like that. But <laughs> if if I can get away, I will see you there, okay? So click that link in the show so you can find out more about it. Anyway, uh, but all of that, the interview, uh, information about the book and the uh, party, all that's coming up here in just a few minutes. So stay tuned for that. Oh, in other news, also today, and I want to make sure and share this real quick before I talk about my writing news, uh, I was a guest on Back in Time podcast. And Oh my gosh, what a fun time that was. I, I've i been a longtime listener of this show. They're a very 80s retro kind of show, so of course that appealed to, appeals to me. And uh, it was great. You know, the guys had me on. We discussed uh, The Bandit and uh, Book 1 and a little bit of what, uh, what might be coming up with ba- uh, Bandit 2. Uh, we also discussed this show and how that came about. And then we dove into our... Uh, you know, our thoughts and feelings about the Batman movies, and we each rated our own top five favorite Batman movies. And uh, so, yeah, if you want to check that out, I will have links to that. I'll be sharing on my social media. I'll be tagging them and uh, other things. So 
uh, make sure you look for that. It was it was such a really good time, and uh, yeah, hoping uh, hoping they'll have me back on here sometime soon. Well, as for me and my writing, I've I've been writing like my hands are on fire lately. <laughs> it's been absolutely fantastic. I just kind of unplugged my critical part of the brain and really gotten into the uh, the story. Uh, this past weekend, uh, I punched out, oh gosh, a little over two chapters, like two and a half chapters, uh, which is great because I, I was able to write last week uh, some in the morning, not as much as I would like to, but I was getting that, you know, almost 500 words every morning, between 350 and 500 each morning, each day last week. And then on top of it, over the weekend, I was taking a good hour and a half, two hours, and getting somewhere in the neighborhood of like 2,000 words a day that I would write. Um, my wife was doing other things, so that that gave me that chance to do that. And it was a great weekend, and, and uh, yeah, Bandit 2 is coming right along. Uh, like I've been telling you all, I will be at Reader's World Bookstore in Sedalia, Missouri, coming up on April 2nd, along with my friends, and that event... I'm still not sure exactly about the time. It's it's like uh, it's like around noon, something like that, so midday. Uh, but as soon as I know for sure, I, I talked to Reader's World, and they said, yeah, they're going to be releasing information because uh, you know, there's a whole lot of authors that are going to be there. It's going to be a big event, so they're going to be releasing the information here in the next uh, couple of days. So as soon as I get that from them, I will be sharing it. And, of course, next week I will be talking all about it and uh, having that up as well. So make sure you're following the show on social media, uh, on, on all all platforms, Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. It's just Sample Chapter Podcast. Very easy to find. And I will make sure and put up some links for that, uh, talking about all the other authors that will be on there. And many of them have been previous guests. So that's going to be exciting, you know, because they're part of the writing group. And in the years that I've been in that group, We've had a lot of published authors have come out of it since then. So it's, it's I'm really looking forward to connecting with them and getting to sit down in a room with them and talking to them all again. And, uh, yeah, hopefully some of you listeners are enjoying the show and uh, decide to stop by and say hi. Uh, but, uh, yeah, if you're not if you're not following the show, you can also follow Reader's World Sedalia, Missouri. And uh, they, they do a pretty good job of talking up local events uh, including they do it they've been doing a lot of author signings actually there recently so make sure you're following them as well uh, if you're not a social media person but you still want to reach out to the show you can do so by email at samplechapterpodcast at gmail.com uh, you can also leave me a voicemail by calling 660-851-1146 and i will make sure and play your message on an upcoming episode uh, before we get over to our interview with natasha i want to make sure and thank my uh, sponsors and affiliates starting with writer's block coffee they have three delicious flavors including the deadline dark which is very strong and sure to keep you up at all hours when you're burning both ends of the candle uh, my personal favorite the whiskey barrel aged blend it's so good just so good and they have the signature blend writer's block coffee uh, try one try them all uh, order one or sign up for automatic shipping and uh, have it shipped out to you as, as often as you like uh, but whatever you decide don't forget to use the coupon code sample chapter and save yourself 10% on your order I also want to thank longtime sponsor of the show Scrivener 
Uh, I do all of my writing on Scrivener, and it has saved me time and time again. Uh, just the other day, in fact, I was going back trying to remember how I described a character that finally was making their appearance back in uh, Book 2 of Bandit, and I couldn't remember, but you know what? I have the character information that came over from Book 1. All of that breakdown is right there, and they're in special folders. You know, so I've got my main characters, I've got other human characters, I've got alien characters, and then side characters, minor characters. It's all broken down, and each one of them I have a little description of who they are, how old they are, what they look like, uh, and what they want. And it's so cool. It's so great being able to access that information and uh, so much more. I'm just touching the tip of the iceberg with that information. Make sure you turn into this commercial so you can hear how you can save 20% on the regular desktop version. Jason here. Hey, I wanted to take a moment and tell you about my favorite writing tool, Scrivener. Now I know you've heard about Scrivener because their writing software has been embraced by hundreds of thousands of other writers like you and I, from the novice to best-selling novelists. The reason we all use it is because of Scrivener's core concept to bring all the writing tools you use together in a single application. And with tools like automatic backup, character maps, project goals, and let's not forget that amazing corkboard, you can see why I use Scrivener every day. As a bonus for Sample Chapter Podcast listeners, use code CHAPTER for 20% off your desktop version. Scrivener Writing Software, built by writers for writers. All right, yes, indeed. Thank you again, Scrivener. I also want to give a big shout out to my friends at Pop Goes the Culture Network. I've been friends with them for a couple of years now, a few years, uh, going back and uh, looking forward to connecting with them over at uh, Comic-Con later on in April, uh, but Pop Goes to Culture Network is home to about uh, 10 or 12 different shows, all of them pop culture related and all of them incredible. Uh, so you want to make sure you click that link in the show notes for all of my podcast friends, sponsors, and affiliates, and uh, don't forget to hit that subscribe button when you're in there. All right, everyone. Well, that is about all I have for right now. So without further ado, let's hop on over to our interview with the incredible entrepreneur and first-time author, Natasha Miller. Hello, Sample Chapter listeners. Welcome to an exciting new episode. Uh, this is great. I, I'm really excited to be able to bring to you a, uh, a memoir. Uh, to you and we don't get a whole lot of those on the show so it's always nice to have somebody on and in this case we have somebody who it's not just a memoir this is something that's going to excite excite you and hopefully get you motivated to take charge of your life and take charge of your work and uh, get you going our guest today is Natasha Miller Natasha isn't your average CEO she sits at the helm of Entire Productions, which has been at the list of fastest growing companies in America for three years in a row. Natasha studied entrepreneurship at Harvard Business School and MIT, and she is also a trained classical violinist and accomplished jazz vocalist. Ladies and gentlemen, help me welcome to the show, Natasha Miller. Hey, thank you for having me. It is my pleasure. I'm so happy to have you here. Well, uh, let's start with a little bit of, uh, actually, let me just check first. How are you doing? 
I'm in a little bit of a panic mode because my book releases soon <laughs> and there's a lot going on. You can probably understand where I'm at. I can understand that. And, you know, and I don't mean to add to it, but I, I can <laughs> I can tell you that uh, this episode actually will drop the same day that your book comes out, March 22nd. Wow. Okay. You're fast. <laughs> so, yeah, we'll have that out. That's it's, it is exciting that, uh, yeah, as we're talking about it, people listening, they're hearing it the same day. So, yeah, everyone, what are you waiting for? Well, wait for the end of this episode, then go pick it up. We'll have the links in the show notes. So, <laughs> uh, well, tell us a little bit about your your background, uh, because you have a fascinating uh, background uh, that went into this book and really defined who you are. Yes, I grew up in the Midwest in the mid 80s. And, um, you know, I grew up in a, in a home that was not terribly kind to me. And that is putting it lightly. You have to read the book to find out just how horrible it was, but I had this ongoing like pull to music, which really saved my life and created a life for me. So I was a classically trained violinist. I was studying with a college professor at, um, since seventh or eighth grade, which is, was a lot of pressure. So I got a lot of discipline, um, under my belt from having to make sure that I was in good stead with him every week. And then I got a Fulbright scholarship to KU, mm -hmm. Iowa State, and then Drake University to play violin. And I really just wanted to sing. So when I moved to San Francisco, I was kind of released from, it's not a stigma, but from being pigeonholed or, you know, into, oh, she's a violinist and um, recorded seven CDs of um, music, some of which, or most of which I play the violin on a couple of tracks. And then I ended up building on accident um, a multi-million dollar company from all that. <laughs> oh my goodness. That's incredible. Uh, can you give us a little bit of, of like, how, how does that happen uh, almost by accident? Well, it happens this way. So I was on my own since 16 years old and I had to fend for myself. I had to make a living and I had the skill. I had the skill as a violinist and as a musician. So I was playing and performing for inaugurations and Pulitzer prize winning ceremonies and weddings and corporate events. But when someone would call me and I was already booked, I wouldn't turn them down because I needed the cash flow. Mm -hmm. So I would tell them, that I wasn't available to perform for them, but I would bring in a group that's as good as I am and similar to me and probably better so that they felt they were getting something better. Sometimes they were. Um, and, um, you know, I had sometimes two, three groups out at, at one night and I was only, of course, one person in one. Hmm. So this was before I had a business license and before I knew I needed one and it just expanded and, and expanded slowly. Um, I've been doing that uh, professionally since I was 15, but in 2001, I got a business license and started an official uh, company. And then it just went from jazz and classical to dance bands and DJs and headliners and aerialists hanging from the ceiling, <laughs> everything under the sun. I, I love that. I love how so many times in life, it seems like the things that we start doing just through happenstance or by accident and you discover a passion for it. Um, I, I never, uh, one of the jobs I did a long, long time ago was I, 
uh, I was looking for work after I got out of the military. I didn't have any kind of options or anything to do. And I'm just trying to find something. Uh, my brother worked for a restaurant and bar and they needed a DJ. And <laughs> I said, oh yeah, I can do that. I used to do that in the military. Occasionally I would go and do things totally lying about it, <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I liked music and, uh, you know, I enjoyed it. And I thought, well, I mean, surely I could do this. I could try it. And I did it for a couple of years and I uh, thought about trying to explore that and going into radio. But from there, I, I discovered like marketing and uh, which helped me a little bit with, with my books. And then uh, my wife was the one who like five years ago coaxed me into like, you know, you listen to these podcasts, and you know, some of these people, you should do one. And uh, so next thing you know, I'm, I'm doing this show. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's a that's a cool uh, route. Yeah, it just you come from 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 nothing and then you just take that and grab a hold of it and uh you know the the marketing edge of it what i didn't realize i liked about that was until i was working at a, a theater and i got a chance to do some prom promos mm -hmm. and i'm meeting executives from one studio or another and i'm like well i was imagining doing this for you know over the hedge for example and uh it, anyway but yeah that was that was a lot of fun and and we're getting into me and we need to be talking about you <laughs> That's how I always know I have a, an interesting guest that's that turns the tables on me so quickly. And I'm like, <laughs> wait a minute, what, what are we doing here? <laughs> well, so as, as you were uh, going about this, um, at what point did you decide I need to write a book? I need to share my knowledge with with the world. I came to that realization that it was time now four years ago at a conference that I was at for, you know, entrepreneurs, successful entrepreneurs to learn how to scale and grow their businesses. It was a mentoring conference. And uh, one of the mentors was an author and she was listing the um, topics of knowledge she had. Hmm. And I did not go to that conference to have that aha moment that I needed to write a book. It was a very expensive conference, by the way, hmm. but that's what I, that was the big aha moment. And I think I was at an age where I had suffered so much, but accomplished so much and was on the way to being on the other side of it. Mm. So I think that's really important when you're writing your own story, that you're not doing it out of revenge or vengeful feelings, or mm. well, I'm going to get them back, that you have some distance from it um, so that you can be a little more objective mm -hmm. um, and, uh, yeah, it took four years. It could have taken longer. It could have taken shorter. Uh, something happened in 2019 when I was writing that is actually in the book and we won't discuss it here because I okay. want it to be a teaser, but something incredible happened to me and my family. And we needed some time to like adjust to it. Yeah. It was a discovery that was just rocked our world. And I put down writing the book for six months. I didn't know if I would finish it. Mm -hmm. But then things subsided as life will do, yeah. you know, you'll get some time to, to think and ponder. And I started writing again and I ended the book ends at the end of 2020. And I finished the book in, I think, July of last year. Wow. Okay. And, and yeah, to, to the point about um, 
writing for revenge that that's better served uh, for fiction authors like myself than uh, memoirs. <laughs> yeah, you can bury it. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Like, yeah. oh, is that character me? No, no, that's totally, <laughs> totally different name. Um, <laughs> uh, when it, when it comes to writing a memoir, I'm trying to be delicate and I don't want to expose anything because I know you're you're trying to keep as many secrets as you can. Well, I mean, you know. Just, just two things secret. Cause I don't want to give everything away. Mm-hmm. Um, what was, can you explain a little bit of what it was like delving into your history and dealing with some of the feelings to oh, put that God. out on the page? And were you talking about that before in your speeches and talks? Oh no, I, I, no one, <laughs> no one knew anything about this about me. Um, yeah. And I wasn't keeping the secret. I wasn't so, you know, degraded and humiliated by my low inflection points. It just wasn't something that I presented up front. I mean, mm-hmm. close people, people close to me knew the gist, but I just had a very dear friend read the book and she was texting me throughout saying, Oh my God, I had no idea. Like, you know, in the book, you go much deeper. Yeah. And well, I went much deeper. I went really deep. Um, so it was hard at times, you know, I sort of interviewed and prodded my dad to ask him what the hell happened. Like, why Mm -hmm. did this happen to me? Why did you let this happen to me? And we had such a good relationship by that time that he answered those questions as best he could. I then started wondering, um, if I had been exaggerating or dramatizing some of the things that happened to me. And I didn't want to do that. I wanted to be as true as I could be in the memoir. Of course, it's the memoir is a genre of what you remember of your life, right? It's not necessarily super factual and fact-checked and, um, but I didn't want to go overboard. So I started reading the journals that I had kept since I was 10. And I discovered that my story was actually much, much worse than my memory recalled. Wow. Which was a surprise. Yeah. yeah. So it, th- that was hard, you know, reading through those passages and talking to various people in my life that I now have a good relationship with that didn't, you know, that allowed things to happen to me. So it, it was definitely I mean, it was a very good thing, you know, in in between a few times, my mental health was tested, but um, that's life. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm hoping, and it it sounds like that it it was a healing process for you though. Yes. I'm going to be as honest as possible. It was healing in so many ways. It opened up some wounds. It's caused um, our family and different people in the book to uh, go deeper with each other. Mm. And it kind of unearthed some things that I didn't know and that other people didn't know in my family. So it's like, it's, you gotta, it's gotta get messy before it gets better, I guess. And that's happening. And I think it'll continue to happen. So it's not over just because the book is out, right. It's it's an ongoing process. Yeah. Oh my gosh. Well, everybody, I, I'm trying to think, I'm not even sure if we've mentioned the name of the book before, but <laughs> it's it's called Relentless, and it's it's a wonderful name, considering everything you've gone through and everything you've accomplished uh, that through a relentless drive that you obviously have, and, and that's that's wonderful, and, and like I said, everyone, it's available right now as you're listening to this, so you want to make sure you pick it up. 
Um, and I'm, I'm very excited to uh, open it up for myself. And it's already an Amazon bestseller before it even comes out. Everybody's pre-ordered enough of it. This is so exciting. I'm so happy for you. That was a surprise to me. So this is my first foray into, you know, authorship of a book. And the moment it went up, it was a bestseller in three categories. And I just mm-hmm. kind of giggled because I was like, well, that's either a mistake or a fluke. <laughs> and then, you know, it kept coming up as a bestseller in job hunting. Um, so I think it's all about the categories that you choose, you and your team chooses. And yeah. of course, how many people are pre-ordering but yeah, I, I vacillate between one and three on four categories. I can't see all of them, so I'll let you know. <laughs> but it's been fun. There's a, most of the authors I talk to. That's something they can relate to. Is we're always looking for the right categories that our book will fit into, so that we can try and rank highly enough to maybe get that gold star. Yeah. So yeah. that's awesome that, that you hit. I was up there right. with number one ahead of Miles Davis and Peggy Lee for a while. Oh my gosh. You can assure, I be assured I took some screenshots of that. <laughs> I would too. Oh my gosh. That's amazing. Well, what, what does it mean to you to be an entrepreneur? Mm. Well, I am definitely not employable by anyone because my creativity and my speed is really fast and I've run a company now for 20 years. So as an entrepreneur, that means I'm a visionary and a strategist Mm. and, you know, being an entrepreneur shouldn't mean that you're working in your business as a job day to day. And I did that for most of the time. Um, Now I'm working on the business as a strategist and I love it. Um, I think entrepreneurs have more than one business endeavor idea, Mm. right? Otherwise we're just business owners. So, I mean, we can get into the weeds there, but, you know, I've always got business ideas. Some of them come to fruition. Some of them are on the back burner. Some of them, some of them may never happen, but it's all in the game of um, coming up with things and then seeing if you can get them ignited. Yeah. I still remember, and I I credit my wife, I tell her every once in a while, that I remember in 1990 when I met her, and we were getting to know each other, that was the first time I'd always heard the word entrepreneur, never knew what it meant, so this was the first time I was not embarrassed to go, what does that mean, like, what Mm. what are you wanting, like, what what is that job, and then she was explaining it to me, and uh, she was still finishing her senior year, I was waiting to go into the military, and and uh, so that was exciting. I was just like, wow, that sounds pretty cool. So you get to kind of do. It's choose your own adventure. Yeah. That's basically what it is. Yeah. 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 And, and believe kinda... me, you know, people do this so that they don't have a boss to answer to. I have lots of bosses to answer to. I have Google, <laughs> I have Facebook and LinkedIn and uh, Salesforce. I mean, these are all of our clients. So I have a mm-hmm. lot of bosses. It's not as easy as it, <laughs> it seems. It's funny how. Uh, how quickly those things start to take over. And I've noticed in the last year or so that I don't really go on social media for pleasure anymore. It's, it's a job. I've got posts to make (laughs) to help promote my authors and to promote my own books and those kinds of things. And I really don't scroll through social media that much anymore and laugh at things. I'm, I'm watching something else completely different or planning my next book or doing something else and (laughs) quickly becomes a job itself. Mm-hmm. Well, now, uh, one of the things that you like to uh, 
to help people with is thriving despite hardship. What can you give us an example of something that you would tell someone? Yes, I think, you know, we're human beings, we're always going to have hardships, right? They're going to come and go in our life in phases or even through the day. Hmm. And not wallowing in the grief and the sadness of it or wallowing in, you know, like feeling sorry for yourself. Um, that's not necessary. You can still feel the feelings and you can still be going through those things, but push through and do things that pull you out of those holes and pull you out of those, you know, depressions and funks. Mm -hmm. But if you just sit there and wallow in it, you're not going anywhere. Mm -hmm. So, um, you know, on any given day, I feel great. I feel okay. And I feel like, ugh, why am I even bothering? Right. <laughs> this happens all day long. Mm -hmm. And now as, because I'm on sort of on the other side of, you know, uh, I'm on, I'm 51, right. So I'm on the other side of growing up and getting to where I'm supposed to be going. I still have somewhere to go, but I can see and remember that when I was at my worst, that if I worked hard on something that I wanted to get to, and I sort of waited out instead of wallowing in that, you know, moment that I can get over, I can rebound faster. Mm -hmm. So this book that I wrote is a, a straight memoir. It is not a how-to book. It is not a motivational book. It's not an inspirational book. Like those are not the things I wrote the book for. Yes, I want you to be inspired. It'd be mm -hmm. great if you were motivated. You don't have to get a pen and pencil out and a piece of paper and like do any exercises. It is not that kind of book. It is a full immersive, you know, hopefully it's hopefully that you kind of become part of the story. I wanted it to read like fiction and maybe you'll glean some things that you can do for yourself. Um, what you might find helpful, Jason, maybe completely different than what your wife might, might feel ha yeah. helpful. So that's the answer I have yeah. for that. <laughs> no, and, and that's, I mean, I, I can relate to that it's, as an author, having gone to conferences, one of the things, and I, I actually, it's funny, I, we just talked about this with, on another episode. Uh, we were at a conference and people were worried about other authors stealing your idea. Mm. And so we did an exercise where they said, okay, well, here's, here's the plan. And they wrote a potential scene or just a, a byline up saying this person goes here and does this yeah now you know spend the next 30 minutes writing what that's mm -hmm. about so everybody had the same thing same prompt the same prompt but everybody wrote something different mm -hmm. with the same you, you characters. Can, yeah i mean yeah. we're all we come from so many different backgrounds we couldn't possibly write the same thing yeah and so just the same way somebody two different people can pick up your book and get completely different things yeah. from it. And that's, that's really cool. I love that. I mean, somebody might pick it up, read it from cover to cover and go, Oh my God, I have to be an entrepreneur. <laughs> Other people might read it and go, there is no way I am doing that to myself. Yeah. Right. <laughs> yeah, that is true. That is true. So you kind of covered then what you're hoping for with the book uh, with that, it, which that was going to be my next question, but you already covered it. So that was, uh, you're really good. How about some some strategic steps for people to optimize their career path and become a leader. How, how, what do you do to gain you know, like, like focus on yourself and go, okay, it's time to get real. Yeah. For leadership is listening to other people mm 
and responding and being empathetic and being able to read the room. And in times of crisis or challenges, be able to pull yourself out of the situation and look from like a 30,000 foot view rather than being in the, in the muck of it and make a decision for your team or your group or your family uh, that will lead them somewhere, right? It needs to be, it would be best if it were out of the challenge and into a solution, mm -hmm. but just some sort of decision is really what we're looking for. And I think, you know, leadership has many tenets, you know, sometimes people think leaders are people that have great ideas and, and are unique and, and things like that. But, you know, really it depends on what kind of leadership we're talking about. But I think the most important thing is listening, uh, reading the room, having emotional intelligence and doing the right thing with that information. Very well said. And, um, do you believe, um, some of that can be, can come about through inspiration or just a, like a wake up and all right, today, this is it. I'm deciding, you know, mm. kind of like, kind of like weight loss, like, all right, today, no donuts. I'm going. Yeah, I know it's, it's a process. It's a learning process mm. and you can wake up one day and say, okay, I'm done following. I want to lead, but you have to learn how to lead and you have to try things out, readjust, you know, you have to fall flat on your face a couple of times. You have to succeed a couple of times. It's just trying to figure out what works for you and your group, whatever that group may be. Mm -hmm. And be relentless. Be relentless in the pursuit <laughs> of excellence, right? There's no such thing as perfection. Um, and, you know, you're, you may lead, let's say, for instance, your family in one way, and then you may lead students in another, but you may lead your peers in a completely different way. Mm -hmm. And I think leadership has a lot of the same qualities for all of those instances, but you have to adjust. Yeah. And, and you bring up a good point that this isn't just intended for career. This is also can apply personally in, Absolutely. in your own personal life. Absolutely. Any social group, there's a leader, right? Mm -hmm. There's, there's a um, a pecking order. Mm -hmm. And sometimes as a leader, like I'm a very strong presence, right? And even with a group of very successful entrepreneurs, I can lead them. And I often take over in that capacity. But sometimes either I don't want to, or I know that it's not good for the group to do so, or I see somebody that has a stronger um, stance than I do. And then I just, you know, sort of find my place in that group. So I think that's important to know is that you don't have to be the leader in every situation. Mm -hmm. Oh my gosh. This is, this is a fantastic conversation. I would, I would, I could probably just <laughs> sit here all day and go over with you and, and talk about all this. This is, this is fascinating, but I'm, we should probably bring this to a close, unfortunately, and, uh, <laughs> and get to your book. Mm. Where can people find and follow you? Yes. So the book website is therelentlessbook.com. And my personal website is officialnatashamiller.com. Both lead you to the book site. And um, of course, I'd love for you to buy the book and you can get it on Amazon or Barnes and Noble and some other independent bookstores, but go back to the book site and put in your order number so that you have um, access to the bonuses of which there are many at different levels. 
And please do not ask me what they are because I would have to pull up the website and read <laughs> from it. <laughs> no problem. No problem. Well, everybody, like I said, I'm going to have these links in the show notes. So you can go in there, you can order the book and then go back in the website and find out all of that for yourselves. So Natasha, thank you so much. This has really been enlightening and, and educational. And as, as you said earlier, yeah, we are rocking our age. Uh, I wasn't going to say it, but you did. And everybody listening already knows how old I am too. So, but we are rocking it and doing, living yeah, we're our in best our prime. life. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yes. <laughs> doing the things that we were supposed to be doing. Yeah. <laughs> so Natasha, thank you so much for being on the show. Ladies and gentlemen, time for me to step aside with my writer's block coffee and hand the floor over to our guest, Natasha Miller with Relentless. Thank you, Jason. I'll be reading from chapter four, Emancipation. Things are breaking like rocks. The holiday season rolled around and I had hopes to spend Christmas with Philip. Then Christmas morning, my mom pulled a butcher knife on me. The cops came and my father stuck me in a shelter for troubled teens. I walked in with my clothes in a trash sack. The teens looked me up and down and laughed, calling me preppy. The shelter director stuck me in a tiny room with a dead-eyed blonde named Tracy. Her clothes were ragged, so in an attempt to make friends, I offered her the flannel blouse I got for Christmas. Then I climbed in my bunk and cried myself to sleep. When I woke up the next morning, the bed next to mine was empty and the curtain caught in the windowsill. My new roommate had taken the blouse and ran. Tracy's on drugs, an older kid explained. Don't worry, she'll be back. Drugs? What kind of place is this? I only knew about the homeless shelters and church soup kitchens where my friends would sometimes volunteer. After a couple of days, I started to feel sick. I couldn't eat, my stomach hurt, and it felt like railroad spikes were being driven into my brain. Can I have an aspirin? I asked. The counselor on duty handed me a tablet along with a Dixie cup of water. Take this right now in front of me, she said. I need to watch you swallow it. That's strange, I thought. Evidently, some kids saved up their pills for an overdose attempt. At some point, the other kids started to warm up to me. I wasn't as much of an outcast anymore. After all, I had been dumped in a shelter on Christmas night. Thank God all of my friends were off traveling with their families to places like Belize and Los Angeles, where they'd get a deep tan to show off the, at the first day of school. Even if they were home, I'd be mortified to explain my situation, but it didn't stop me from feeling completely abandoned. I had no idea how a shelter worked or what might happen to me while I was there. The kids started talking to me, letting me sit with them at lunch in the TV room. They didn't call me preppy or make fun of me anymore. Maybe they thought I'm one of them. Was I? Many were homeless or poor or struggling with parents who were on drugs, but most of us were all dealing with some form of abuse. It was a strange thing to bond over, but at least I wasn't the misfit anymore. I spoke to my dad once a day, explaining that I was running out of clothes and needed to practice my violin piece for the upcoming concert. I'm sick of this place, I complained to him. When are you coming to take me home? My dad's replies were vague. Let's not make any big decisions right now. Maybe he didn't know what to do. My father coordinated the homeless projects for the city of Des Moines, but apparently he wasn't ashamed of the fact that his daughter was staying at the shelter for teens. A few more days passed. 
and I was told there would be a family meeting with a counselor present. Tasha, your dad thinks it might be a good idea for you to go into foster care, the counselor said. We'll discuss options at the meeting. Foster care? Isn't that for little kids? I just wanted to go home. At that point, I didn't care if my mom was horrible to me. At least I knew what to expect. And why would my dad think foster care was a good idea? The meeting was held on a Tuesday morning in the counselor's cramped, drab yellow office. The adults sat in a circle on student-sized chairs, felt invisible. They talked about me, but not to me. A social worker from foster care came down to explain how the process works. Your daughter could be placed at a home anywhere in Iowa, she told my dad. It might be 200 miles from Des Moines. We won't know until we put her in the system and see who's willing to take her. I'm in the orchestra, I shouted, determined to make my presence known. And I am studying music with Dr. Beale in like a college level class. I am not moving 200 miles away. And there's no way I'm going to be that far from Philip. Seriously, what was wrong with these people? I could not believe my dad was choosing my mother over me. Later, I asked to meet with a counselor one-on-one. -on -one. A bookshelf sat across from her on the gray metal desk. I looked over the books. There were a few on child development, a set of encyclopedias, some law books. One of the counselors pointed me to a thick volume on juvenile law. I paged through it and found a part about abandoned youth reading as much of it as I could, and trying to understand the legal jargon. Eventually, I realized that the system considered me an abandoned child, not a runaway, so I was free to leave the shelter at any time. A glimmer of hope rose. I can leave. I called my father to tell him the news. Tosh, I'm sorry, he said. Your mother just isn't ready for you to come home. I figured my mom was still mad about the police showing up at our house. My dad likely feared for my safety. I didn't know how my brothers felt, but the house was probably calmer now that I was gone. But dad, I don't have to stay here, I replied, and I am not going to a foster home. I'm calling grandma. One of the few things I could count on for breaks from the insanity of home were visits to my grandmother's house, the one on top of the big green hill. I dialed her number. Grams, I can get out of here. The counselors talked to a judge who told them about this loophole in the law. Can you come get me, I begged. Tasha, there's too much ice on the roads for me to drive, she said. You'll have to stay there until I can pick you up. Maybe tomorrow or the next day when the weather warms up. Deflated, I called Philip and asked him for a ride, but his mother wouldn't let him drive, and at this time, he did not defy her. Oh, God. If his mom thought I was trouble before... What would she think of me now that I was in a teen shelter? Will I ever see him again? I was questioning everything. Hey, that was Amazon bestseller and entrepreneur Natasha Miller reading a sample chapter from her debut novel that's out today, Relentless. Make sure you click that link in the show notes for everything Natasha Miller. And of course, if you're listening to this first thing in the morning, click that link in the show notes for her party that's going to be going on a little bit later. Uh, that's going to be an amazing time. Don't forget to also click the link in the show notes for our podcast friends, sponsors, and affiliates. And like I said before, hit that subscribe button so that you don't miss out next week when I'm back with an all-new author, a new book, and a brand new sample chapter. 
Take care, everyone. See you again real, real soon.